It's that time again. Time to catch up with family. Time to share that home cooking that you've been craving. And yes, time to update your COVID vaccine. Updated vaccines now protect against the original COVID virus and Omicron. They're here just in time to make those family gatherings safer and extra special. Schedule your free vaccine today. Find updated COVID vaccines for everyone ages 5 and up at vaccines.gov. We can do this. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Hey guys, welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Maggie. And we interview Asian entrepreneurs around the world to amplify their voices and empower Asians to pursue their dreams and goals. We believe that each person has a message and a unique story from their entrepreneurial journey that they can share with all of us. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. Today, we have two very special guests with us, Christina and Daniel Song. Christina and Daniel were both born in Seoul, South Korea, and immigrated to the States at an early age. They met in San Diego in 2000 while Daniel was serving in the Marine Corps. Married in 2004, had four girls in five years and their son a few years after. They currently live in Irvine, California, having a wonderful time raising their children and running their successful insurance agency, Great Park Insurance. They started a TikTok account in January 2021, sharing their life struggles and successes, which quickly grew to 1.4 million followers. Their goal is to inspire as many families to fight through the struggles together. Christina and Daniel, welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks for having us, guys. (laughs) Of course, it's been a long time coming having you guys on the podcast. And I think that we, Maggie and I, started off as fans, right? We saw you guys on TikTok, we watched your content. And to my surprise, Daniel reached out to her AHN account, and that's how we connected. <laughs> you know, I, I actually remember that. And then we were so excited to find out that you guys were local, right? And, but I think you were moving to Vegas at the time, and, but you guys were in town. So that lunch, that shabu, lunch, shabu. yeah, shabu shabu. We it actually meeting you guys and hearing about all the things that you guys were doing really inspired us. So just want to let you know that you guys are just always doing a great job. Awesome, thank you guys. I mean, we appreciate you guys in our corner as well. So I'll start with the first question. We'll start with Daniel. Daniel, tell us about your upbringing and more about yourself. You know, it's it's really interesting because whenever I look at my story. It's 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 such a contrast to what the typical Asian kid in the '90s, uh, how how they grew up. So I was born in Korea, 1979, and I was you know, I, I was born on a little pig farm. You know, I remember the dirt roads. I remember our home being probably 200 square feet. And back then, you know, in the morning, it's your bed or your bedroom. You put it away, and then you bring out the table, and it becomes your dining room. And I moved here when I was five years old, but I have a vivid memory of some of the things that, you know, I remember from, from Korea, but my, it was interesting because one morning I woke up, I was, th- <coughs> I, was, excuse, I was three years old and I remember just my mom left, like she left us, my dad with two kids. And it was just a really interesting time. So my dad brought us here to the States in 1984 and Looking back now, I can tell, I, I I appreciate my childhood so much more. And I can appreciate what a, a elementary kid or a, or a junior high kid goes through. But I was really lost. And I want to say I was lost all the way through my adolescence. You know, in the 90s, if your parents, they absolutely had to have a kid go to college, be a doctor, be a lawyer, be an engineer, they could so they could brag about, you know, their kids to all their friends. But you know, I was in ESL. I had, I was probably at best a BC student, maybe CD student. I, back then, you know, the schools would mail out your report cards in the mail. So I remember trying to get the mail those couple of days when I knew it was being shipped out before my mom got them. But I, I never really even understood how to study. So I, I didn't go to college. And the reason why I went to the Marine Corps is because I, you know, I wanted to go to UCLA, but there was just no way that I was going to get in. So I went into the Marine Corps because I was kind of, you know, that bought me some time. You know, it bought me four years. I got a steady paycheck. I got to go overseas, travel a little bit and really figure out what I wanted to do. And my first duty station, I was in Okinawa, Japan. And my 
the second duty station, I was down in Miramar, San Diego, and that's where I met Christina. She's her family wasn't military, but they were living there, and and yeah, that's how we met in San Diego. I love that. I mean, that's awesome hearing about your story too, and how much the army has really impacted your life personally, right? I feel like personally for a lot of my friends who went to the army, they're the most disciplined, headstrong, able to pick up any skill, to be honest, like really good at everything. I'm just like, wow, what are you guys trying? You you keep saying the army. Just so you know, <laughs> the Marine Corps. Sorry, sorry, Corps. sorry. sorry. Okay. <laughs> I apologize. Oops, oops. <laughs> we we'll that part out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but but I, I do I do agree with you. It was probably looking back at it now, it was probably the best decision I made. It was now in Korea, you are required to serve two years automatically for every every male. But you know, it really it really gave me an understanding of what discipline is, what hard work is, having no excuses, getting it done, and mission accomplishment. You know, it really taught me the value of discipline and authority. You know, so it was, but but I also it's what you make of it, right? I also have friends who who high school friends who went in with me. And we were in Okinawa, Japan. And I remember I get a phone call. I said, hey, so-and-so is in the brig, which is the military prison. And I said, oh my gosh, what happened? Well, the knucklehead decided to go out in town, rob a liquor store by gunpoint. You know, so, you know, the MPs caught him and they, you know, he, he got thrown into the brig and he got dishonorable discharged. So not everybody has a great experience, but for me, it was, it was just wonderful. I, I, I wouldn't change a thing. I'm really glad to hear that. Oh, go ahead, Maggie. Oh, no. Yeah, I was just going to say, I I love that you were able to find, you know, your your outlet, right? Because I feel like a lot of people, for a lot of people, school may not be their thing. And that is okay. I think that we put so much emphasis on school and grades. And we put a value on how well you do in school, which is, I think is also very important. You know, like school does mean a lot of things. School can set you to the right path. We, it's important for us to encourage the kids in our generation to go to school, to finish school, right? But some people may not find school is their thing. Mm-hmm. And then they end up going into entrepreneurship and they end up succeeding very, very successfully. And that's okay, right? You just have to kind of find what works best for you. And I'm just glad that you were able to kind of find that path for you. Yeah, I I like that a lot. I think the biggest thing that school and whatever, and, you know, going to the Marine Corps does is that it teaches consistency, hard work, and discipline, which is the three skill sets you need to succeed in life, no matter what you do. And I really love hearing these, these type of stories because from my background, there out of high school, I didn't want to go to college immediately. And not a lot of people knew that side about me. I actually wanted to join. I always actually want to try out the Navy SEALs. Right? Ooh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, they they heavily recruited wrestling camps. But every single wrestling camp that I went to, they would come in and be like, wrestlers statistically are the toughest and you guys are more statistically able to make it past the Navy SEALs and the toughest department, blah, blah, blah. Well, obviously, my parents didn't let me go because they didn't know what it was. But I'm thinking how much my life would have been different had I gone down the Navy SEAL path, right? <laughs> yeah, well, that's, you know, that's an accomplishment in itself. And Maggie, to, to your point, yeah, you know, and that's, that's one of the things that we try to teach our kids that, you know, school isn't for everybody. Now, we absolutely encourage our kids to go to school after, you know, you have to you go to college. But it's not because you're going to have this great life after getting that diploma, but it's a transition period from being in mommy and daddy's house to adulthood, right? You meet people, you wake up on when you, when you wake up, you make sure you go to class. It's all the little responsibilities of becoming a true adult. So we, we do, I don't, I don't want people to think that we don't emphasize in current <laughs> school. We definitely do. But if that isn't your path, just like you said, it's okay. Yeah. And also with all of our kids, we acknowledge that they're all very different. Even though they have the same parents, every kid has their own personality. So we try and figure out what their strengths are. And like Daniel said, we do encourage school, but we also know that it's not for everyone. 
Yeah, I love that. I love that as parents, you guys encourage your kids to pursue what they feel most passionate about, whatever that may be. And that's true that like every child is unique. Every child is has their own personality, has their own interests. But Christina, we want to pass it on to you and ask you my background, <laughs> what um, your background is. So I was born in 1980 in Korea. My dad was or is a retired pastor. So I grew up in a Christian household. Came His dream was to start his own church. And he knew that America was a better place, you know, a better life for his family. So he actually came two years before the rest of us. He came in 85. We came in 87. And he started a church. I started playing piano at the age of five. And my mom's whole path for me was keep playing the piano, play for your dad's church, marry a doctor, and be a housewife. That was their path for me. Um, but also for myself, my my dream my whole life since kindergarten was to be a stay-at-home mom. I wanted you know a lot of kids, four or five kids. And I had this idea of just an organized clean house with, you know, a hot meal. That's kind of just what I pictured in my head. I guess it's kind of similar to our life now. I am a stay-at-home mom raising five kids. And I went to school for piano. And during that time, I met Daniel and dated for like three and a half years. From Korea, we went to NorCal, San Jose, and then from San Jose, I was there for about five, six years. And in junior high, we moved to San Diego and then was in San Diego until we got married. Yeah. Wow. Uh, thank you so much for sharing that story. And honestly, like being a stay at home mom is a job in itself. Like it is not <laughs> easy. It is extremely hard. And my mother was a stay-at-home mom. She she worked a couple of jobs before she had me, but after she had me, she was already getting to that age where she was like, I need to just, you know, rest and take care of the kids, you know, just cook dinner and do all these things at home that like people don't normally think about, but it is a lot of work. And I just want to commend you for all the work that you do having five kids and it's a lot of work. And I... I definitely agree with you that like, I feel like when I watched your guys' TikToks, and we'll get into that a little bit later, but I understand like how Christina works and how like Daniel says, like Christina has her own way of doing things. Like Daniel doesn't touch any of those things <laughs> where Christina has like her own way of doing things. And I absolutely love that. But I just love how you had this idea of what you wanted to be, right? And you were able to see that into fruition. And have that come to reality and I just wanted to say like thank you for like kind of talking about this because I think a lot of people have this misunderstanding that stay-at-home moms don't have an actual job or have to do actual work right but there's a lot that goes into it and Absolutely. raising one kid is already hard but raising multiple kids and running a whole household is a job in itself and no other words can explain like like no other job is as hard as being a stay-at-home mom and doing all the, the chores and the work at home. Yeah. And, and you know, so when the kids were really young, you know, and, and one of the great things about Christina is she communicated that with me. She said, hey, look, some people want to be doctors. Some people want to be corporate, climb the corporate ladder. She said, my dream is to be a stay-at-home mom. But I appreciated that so much because it gave me a clear vision of what her life should look like, but also what my life should look like to provide that for her. I think we read 70% divorce rate here in Orange County, which is huge, huge, right? So the odds are against you, you know, but communication is just one of the things, it's it's one of the cornerstones of a healthy relationship. So, <clears throat> and, and I can appreciate that because man, I would stay home for three hours just to give Christina some some time to herself with her girlfriends or just to go out. So I would stay home for three hours. And in those three hours, <laughs> the house would be flipped upside down, right? But any anytime anybody comes to our house, it's immaculate because Christina just has, she's just always on top of things. And if she's out for a night, like, like the kids can tell, oh, after dinner, the island isn't clean by itself. It's because mommy's not here. She's always wiping down the counter, just little things like that. But, you know, our whole 
I guess if if you were to ask us, what what do you want to how do you want to impact the world? One of the one of the ways is we just want to show people that you know family life is still strong in, in a very corny way. Like love is still alive, right? And and marriage works. And that's one of the things that we really want to just encourage people is don't give up so easily. You know, there we have, I put Christina through a lot. We got married when we were both in college and, you know, I, we got married and I, and I said, well, I'm a man now. Right. So I have to provide for my wife, my family. I was 20, well, 20. You were 20. You just turned 24. Okay. I just turned 24. So after the military, I went to Fullerton city college and then I transferred to USC. So when I transferred our first year, we got married. So I said, okay, well, I need to go get a job, a part-time job. So I, I started at a mortgage company and that's really when the mortgage industry was really booming. So I got a part-time job, five minutes of just being in the office. I was on the phone selling mortgages and I did a pretty good darn job at selling mortgages, right? And we were making money. And then, you know, six months later, now, now if one thing, if people know about Christina and I, we do things just like literally within five seconds of thinking about it. We got married over the phone because I was in, I was at home in Orange County and she was down in San Diego living with her parents and she had a really big fight with her family. And every night we would talk on the phone before we went to bed and she was just really had a tough day. So I said, you know what, let's get married, you know, because that was the only way she was going to be able to leave her house. So leave her parents home. So the next day we went to Robert's brothers down in San Diego. We picked a ring and we got married. Literally, that's how it We started a business. <laughs> you know, we just decided to start a business and we did it the next day. So, you know, we, we, we take action pretty quickly. So after about six months of working at that part-time job, we started our own, own company and we had about 15 loan officers, about two processors, and we were making money. We both didn't finish school because we took, we went a different path. And, you know, I, I got to tell you, and I'm just going to share numbers because not to brag about it, but just to show people, give people a point of reference. At 25 years old, just with my own pen, selling mortgages, I made 100,000, the next month 75, the next month 50. So in a quarter at the age of 25, I made $225,000. That was just my personal sales. That wasn't the company. That that 225 might as well have been 225 million to me because I've never seen that kind of money, right? And I thought my stuff didn't stink. I, I was just a big shot. My ego was huge. We were buying this. We were buying that. Bought our parents a, a BMW. Cool. We bought four cars. But anyway, it was just nuts, right? We, but but there's a great lesson in that. We didn't know how to handle money. We didn't know how to handle success or how, how to handle responsibility. Because the more money you make, the more responsibility, responsibilities you have, the bigger team that I was responsible for. So we were reckless. Three, four, five years later, the market turned and we lost everything. I remember it's it's really interesting because you know, we've we foreclosed on our home in Irvine. And it's a really interesting feeling having to take your kids out of their home. Now, you know, you could move up every single year into a nicer home and it never gets old. But if you once you have to move down. It's a really interesting situation. So we lost our home, you know, for many, for about two, three years, you know, we were trying to fight bankruptcy. You know, we, we didn't want to file bankruptcy because we thought bankruptcy was just total failure. So, you know, we racked up our credit cards. We moved so many times. We never updated our, our driver's license. We would move for two, three months because that would buy, buy us time. And, you know, we, we were running from rent. That's really what we were doing. That was with three kids. That that we had three kids at the time. You know, at at the lowest point in our lives, I had two hundred dollars in my left pocket. We sold everything that we can sell, but I had two hundred dollars in my left pocket, and that was with four kids. So, imagine like that's you're literally you have no floor under you. You 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 feel as if you just the world is collapsing and you have nowhere to turn. You know, we were on food stamps. There's a program out here called WIC. I think that's food stamps, right? And we were on welfare. <clears throat> so it was just really tough. You know, Christina and I, we cried every night. We prayed together every night before we went to bed. And really, and it, I was at, at one point, and I didn't share this with her at the time, but at one point, you know, 
I really considered, I really thought about, hey, I'm worth more dead than alive, right? Because of my life insurance policy. I remember going to Subway at, at that time and the kids were so, so young. That's the beauty of it, that they were so young, they don't know anything. They don't remember anything. But on a Friday night, just to get the kids out of the house, you know, we would, at the time they had $5 foot long sub sandwiches. So we had four kids and we would take them to Spectrum or we would take them to the park, buy a subway, cut it in four pieces and give each kid a quarter. And that was plenty for them back then. And they had a full tummy and they were playing at the park. It was, they, they had the best life in the world. But it's, it's because mommy and daddy never fought in front of them. We never complained about money. We never showed aggression. We never showed fr frustration. Now talk about stressful. You know, I'm, we were stressed out, right? And then, so at one point, you know, being on being on WIC, you know, we would go to the local grocery store, <clears throat> and Christina came home and she told me this. She she said, "Oh my gosh, I was in line and so and so was behind me, a friend of hers," and my heart just dropped. And I, and I thought, okay, tell me you didn't pay with the WIC coupons. And it's checks. It's this. It's, it's very obvious. Out yeah. of these yeah. checks that you have to give. I think every time I went, I probably used maybe five or six of them. So they allow you like $10 worth of produce and like $6 of something else. So it's just this huge printout and it takes forever to check out. I heard it's a better system now, but yeah, back in the day, it was a horrible, horrible checkout. Yeah. So her being more mature than I am, uh, you know, she said, what are you talking about? Of course I did. I went to the grocery store to get food for the kids. And I was so upset. And I remember not talking to her for five or seven days because she embarrassed me. Right mm -hmm. now, my friends and everybody we know, know that we're not making money. We don't have an income and we were dependent on wig checks. So I was really upset. And then after so many days, she sat me down and she said, she said, honey, look, she said, why would I be embarrassed about feeding our kids? And, and I remember this day so vividly. And, and she said, she told me, she said, you know, let's not be ashamed of who we are or what we're going through because it's something we're going through. It's not something that we're staying in. And that hit me like a box of bricks. Right. And I said, oh my gosh, you're right. And, you know, she was saying that and she, her message was, I believe in you. I believe in you that you're going to get our family out of this. And in a very subtle way, she was saying, get your butt to work. Right. And I, and I took that as a total challenge at a, as total encouragement. And it really uplifted me. So I, from then on, I went to work. I was in the mortgage business back then, but I wanted something a little bit more stable, something that didn't have a season, something that wasn't a roller coaster. So I said, okay, well, let me look at insurance. And just like everybody else who gets into insurance, I said, well, car insurance, home insurance, everybody needs it. It's, it's by law, you have to have it. And I thought, okay, let me check it out. And I didn't know a single soul in insurance. And now knowing what I know now, my path could have been different. I could have done a lot of different things, but again, I didn't know anybody in insurance. And I said, okay, I'm going to try it. So I, I worked insurance from 9 a.m. to about 5 p.m. during the day. And then I would come home right around 6 to 8 o'clock. I would eat dinner and play with the kids because I, I remember Lauren was just born. She was just born. And so we've been married 18 years now. But in the first five years of marriage, we had four girls. And when we had the four girls, we had three in diapers at the same time. And that, that's really when we were in the thick of things, right? When we were struggling the most. So it was, it was really crazy. So, but, but, so nine to five, I would work my insurance, six to eight, eat dinner and play with the kids. And from eight to 10 PM for two hours, I would take a nap every night because at 10 PM, she would wake me up because I had to go to my 11 PM graveyard shift. So I would work her graveyard shift from 11 PM to 7.30 AM. And I would work at a home alarm company being dispatched. So if your alarm goes off at your business or at your home in the middle of the night, you know, you get a call from dispatch. And then I was that person. So I would do that. 7.30, I would get off. I would get home right around 8.30 in the morning, um, take a shower, eat breakfast, and go build 
my insurance business. And Friday nights was amazing because Friday nights was my weekend from the nighttime job. And I just, I was able to sleep. And I think you, the first night you said, like you he never slept saw me like a baby. <laughs> yeah, I think you know? he oh, slept wow. like 12 hours or something. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it, but the mindset was, I have no choice. And also we're not going to make any excuses. Our, her, her parents were retired pastors. My parents were retired. Nobody was able to help us. And looking at that now, that was the biggest blessing because we had to figure it out. And at those moments, I feel as if people look to other options and saying, hey, what's the easier choice? I always get upset when I, when I hear about dads or husbands leaving their family, right? In tough times, because that's just so, that's just the, that's the easy way out, right? And to think that our relationship is based on finances is just wrong to us, right? So we, when we, when we got married, we really took that to heart to say, Hey, look, we're combining our life. Nothing is going to break our bond and we are committed to each other, you know, good times and bad. And that's how relationships get stronger. It's not during the good times. It's not when everything is fun. It's through the tough times and struggling together. So she has taught me, I mean, I am, I'm such a, I, I wasn't always this way. You know, I, I was very insecure, you know, not knowing the language, being in ESL. I had no friends. And I talk about this because when I was, I, I flunked first grade. So all my friends in first grade during in the new school year, when they became second graders, none of them wanted to play with me at recess because I was, a you know, I flunked. I'm a loser. I really didn't know English that well. So I would just play by myself as a, as a first grader in the field. And really what I would do a lot of times is I would go to the bathroom because in the bathroom, I could just be there for 10, 20 minutes because hide. lunch was only 25, 30 minutes and just kind of hide. And then the other times when I didn't want to do that or when it was too hot, I would go to the field. I would, I would, I would walk fast to the soccer field. And then from there, I would walk fast to the baseball court field or the basketball courts or handball to make it seem like I was going somewhere to do something. So it took me, I have a lot of demons and it took me a long time to get over those demons and to feel comfortable with myself. And I, it really truly happened after I met Christina that, you know, it's, it's okay not to always have the right answers. You know, it's, it's okay to kind of figure it out together. And once we had kids, it all changed, <laughs> right? It all changed because you have to be that example to the kids. Wow. That <laughs> so much to break down there. And it got emotional at so many points of your story and wanted to thank you for sharing all of that. And there were a couple of touch points where it really hit me because I feel like when you talked about, you know, buying groceries and buying food with the wicks, right? And you know, I can understand where your frustration came from, Daniel. Obviously, like, yeah, like maybe a lot, a lot of people wouldn't want other people to know. Like, we're I feel like in the Asian community, especially, we're all about especially. reputation and appearance and social status and you know how well we're doing financially, right? And once someone finds out that you're struggling financially or struggling in your family, they talk about it, or we think they talk about it, right? And I think Christina was able to make you look at the bigger picture, right? I think we're we're oftentimes so focused on the smaller picture of like what our peers would think about us or what our family members or friends will say about us, but really just sitting you down and saying like, we're feeding our family and this is just a phase for us, you know, like it will help us in the long term if we're paying for food the right way right now, what regardless of what our peers will think about us. And she was able to make you look at the bigger picture. But it's insane how you were managing your time at that time, like a graveyard shift, working two jobs during the day, you were getting two hours of sleep. That's yeah. insane. I, I, and, I remember specifically, we got two extra months. Christina was able to buy us two extra months when we had the $200. Uh -huh. She came home one day and like she said she had to step out. And I was with the kids and she came home one day 
And she said she sold her wedding ring. And I said, oh my gosh, why? why? You know, and we just broke, we both broke down. But, the, but like she took it upon herself, right? I mean, what what wife, mom, wants to sell their wedding ring? I mean, if anything, you pass it down to your kids. But it got that bad where, you know, she didn't have, felt like she didn't have any choices, right? So to get us by for two more months, she sold her wedding ring. So that, and ever since then, I was always on a mission to get her a bigger <laughs> ring when it would be good, you know? And, and many years later, you know, we were able to, but just little things like that, right? It's, 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 it's committing to each other and just, you know, doing what I had to do, doing what she had to do. And she was, and we, we have very defined roles in our marriage and she always want to stay home. And I, you know, I, I bring in the money, but once it comes in, Christina handles it all. So we don't have separate accounts. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I think it's whatever works for your family. But the way we do it in our house is, you know, we, I have access to our, her credit cards. She has access to all mine. We have one bank account. So it's a very trusting relationship and you, you have to be vulnerable to each other, right? You can't have, you can't, you can't put a face or have a face amongst each other. Now, as a, as a, as a father and a husband, I truly do believe that I am the leader of the family, right? I have to make sure my family's protected and they're financially secure and healthy. Do I have some bad days? Absolutely. And, and I remember I was so focused. I, I tell my team this too at the office, you know, for the first five years of me in the business, I took seven days off. Five of those were for Christmas. I worked every single day. I did not take a Sunday off. I had a goal or we had a goal and a vision of exactly where we wanted to go. And when we had a three-month goal, a 12-month goal, a five-year goal, and we were very focused, very tunnel-visioned. She would go to church and meet new people, and they thought she was a single mom with five kids, right? And, and I forget my point in, in sharing that, but, you know, you you have to you have to communicate right and you have to you have to be on the same page it just life is too hard if you're not and and if you're not it's going to be very obvious from the very beginning yeah i mean it's powerful hearing your story i think as maggie said before it's i don't know it's just i know you guys are not that much older than me only <laughs> just a couple years older but it re really reminds me of like the immigrant struggle, right? This the story of where things get really bad and like it, it seems never ending. Like when does it end? And it kind of reminds me of my own parents' story too, because I think we had my mom had a similar story. She she had all three of my siblings at that time. She has three kids, right? And I remember my mom telling me that they only had $25 left in the bank account. So she was saying that she spent it on eggs, a case of water, and a pack of instant noodles to get by the month. Right. And somehow when you're desperate, things will get better. Right. Sometimes you think that things just end there. It's like, oh no, my life is over. The world is collapsing. But this is where I want to hear your turning point. What was the turning point where things started to get better? Right. Where, where your hard work started to compound, your consistency started to make sense, the insurance started to make money again. Right. What was the turning point for you at what age? And what happened that, that caused the shift to where we see you guys now, right? I want to hear about the, the turning point in your lives. You know, for, for one thing that Daniel has always taught me is to be thankful and to share, like share your knowledge, share your resources, just share. And he is one of the most driven, hardworking person I've ever met. And like he said, for five years, and I don't even want to say in five years, even though he only took seven days off, he was still present in the family. Like if he had like an hour break, he would come home and spend time with us. So for the kids, they never thought, oh, dad, dad wasn't around. He was always present, but he worked 16, 18, 18 hours a day. I always get emotional <laughs> whenever we're talking. And I think even for me and other moms I meet, 
I don't try and hold on to any information I have. It's whatever helped me, I want it to help others. And I think that kind of just came around. We noticed year after year, his graveyard shift, he was able to stop doing that. After a few months, there was no way he can sustain that no sleeping schedule where his two other jobs was able to at least pay for our I mean, we didn't have a lavish lifestyle during, and we were able to get by with his two really full-time jobs. And year after year after year, we noticed um, his income was getting higher. And with insurance, the great thing about insurance is the residual residual income. So we noticed, oh, hey, he's he's really good at it. And the income is also sh- growing and the, he put himself out there to meet a lot of people in the industry. And I feel like good people attract good people. So that's kind of just how it started, I feel like. Yeah, because I'm 43 now. I got into the industry when I was about 30, 30 31. 30, yeah. Yeah, 30, 31. And just, just like in any 30. business, it's the first five years is tough. Right. So we were grinding and we were grinding. We were grinding for so about it, it took about six or seven years. So I'm I'll be 36, 37 at this time, where I wasn't working from home. And I said, okay, you know, I could really quit that second job. Right. Now, a lot of people quit too early, I think. They stopped too early. Our we we were making a good living and but we were saving a lot because we knew one day we had to open an office hire a team so i could have quit that second job long ago but i just i was so afraid to go back to where we were so we we did it about 7 years later i quit that second job and that's when we opened opened an office and once i started really building a team i i i think and that's when i was able to work on the business versus in the business and 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 then at that point it kind of just exploded from there. And you know what we we're having fun. I I wasn't I, I don't sell policies anymore. The team does a much better job than than what I do. But I really am able to work on you know invest in relationships and invest in people, and invest in just the business and my time. So my schedule now is completely different, especially with the kids getting older. We're having so much fun, but. I always tell our kids, you have to operate with the end in mind because nobody in anything wants to really do the work. Nobody wants to be in the foxhole, right? They always want to just go to the Super Bowl, but they don't want to practice during off season, right? When all their friends are partying and vacationing. And that's what I always emphasize, you know, work in silence, kill yourself in silence, Right. And then, you know, when I would have some really bad days, I would I would go into the closet and just scream and cry for about five minutes. And then after that, I would come out. And whether I'm at the office or with the kids, they would never know because we were always upbeat. We were positive and we were go, go, go. So that's what we that's that was kind of our turning point, probably about six to seven years in, in the business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. I think it's really commendable for you to emphasize that, you know, on those bad days, you're able to find a way for you to kind of release all of that frustration. Right. And it's true. Like when you're, when you're, you know, talking about career, when you're talking about work, like you do have bad days. Right. And those days are going to be extremely hard, but, you know, as a family and as a father, as a mother, whatever it may be, like it's important for us to set that example for our kids. And I think a lot of the reason why your kids are able to see you guys as such, you know, amazing parents is because you guys never fight. You guys never, you know, express that anger to your kids. And they see that they they're like they're at that age where they're learning a lot, you know, and whatever expression that they see from their parents, from their role models, from the people that they look up to, they they will mirror that same that same expression you and know, they'll I, take that with them. I don't want to say we never fight. We do fight. Yeah. We don't fight. Every, we every argue, couple. of course. Yeah. We, we <laughs> argue, but we try not to do it in front of our kids. But of course, we have our, everyone has their bad days and it, that's fine. And you know, I grew up in a household where my dad was just 
you know, whatever I say is that's it. You don't if you talk back, then you're being disrespectful, you know, that kind of a household. So when we got married and talked about having kids, I knew that I wanted clear communication between us and to our kids. And even to our kids, I have bad days all the time. I lose my patience, but I'm very quick to apologize, you know, to, even to my kids because no one's perfect. Everyone has bad days and they see the vulner- the vulnerability. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, And in, 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 mm-hmm. in family or even in business, I think people just need to realize it's a bad day. It's not a bad career choice. It's not a bad life. It's a bad day. And the best thing about that is tomorrow is a new day. Right. And it's all kind of how we handle it. Absolutely. So let's shift the conversation a little bit and talk about TikTok. <laughs> so, <laughs> as I read in your bio, you both quickly grew to 1.4 million followers. And for our listeners who haven't seen Daniel Casino's TikTok videos, they talk a lot about lifestyle and family content and you know, career as well, how to raise your kids, what their way of raising their kids it's like. So talk about that and talk about like why you guys decided to start a TikTok account and how you ultimately decided to base your content on those couple of things, family, lifestyle, et cetera. Well, just like a lot of things, it kind of evolved throughout time. But I remember it was two years ago. Was it two years ago? A year and a half ago. A year and a half ago during Christmas, Leah, my third daughter, she got me a daddy joke book, 365 jokes, one for every day of the year. And TikTok was just getting more and more buzz and all the kids were on it. I thought, thought, what is this? So I just, I created an account and I was going to tell a joke a day for 365 days. And then it kind of started picking up. It didn't even take long. Maybe a week later, uh, the kids were laughing at me because- I mean, only <laughs> cool people have TikTok. And there's and we're like the biggest what dorks is daddy to them? doing, right? <laughs> so there was no way daddy could get 10,000 followers. So we got 10,000 within a week. We got 50,000 a couple of days later, and then 100,000. And then they started thinking, well, you can see it in their eyes, like, whoa, right? People actually are interested in our family. And then it started evolving more of a family channel. And then, it, you know, Six months, it took us six months to get a million. But that month in June, we would go each week, we would get a hundred thousand. Our biggest, our biggest day was fifty thousand. So it it really became it, and it, we were having fun with it. And then people started recognizing us every time we would go out and saying hi. And then their kids at school were talking about it and saying, Hey, your dad, your parents are on TikTok. Um, but and then I, I the perfect bite. I'm not quite sure how that came about. But I, you know, I do the perfect bite with with the rice bowl and everything else. And then you know, it's kind of evolving into Christine and I giving parenting advice, marriage um, advice, yeah, child raising advice, and just you know how we live our lives. And it's it's quite interesting that we thought it was really interesting that people were interested in us because there are some I guess super fans where they message us. And, you know, during summer, we took a break and we were contemplating, should we take a break or not? Because it's going to kill our momentum. And, but, you know, we thought, you know what? That even shows the TikTok world that we're actually regular people. That, yes, you know, we need breaks too. So during summer, we were so busy, we actually took a break. But when we came back and posted our first video, a lot of people were saying, oh my gosh, we're, we're so happy for you that you got to take a break. I know summer is crazy with the kids, but we're so happy you're back. And you know, it's the most rewarding thing for me is we get messages on our IG and our TikTok all the time about people who are struggling through their marriage of, of not having a role model in their lives because your parents were abusive. Reconnecting with their kids. Mm-hmm. And taking some of the advice, like we have date night quite often, but we also individually have date night with each individual child. I just took my fourth daughter, Lauren, to New York for a week yeah, because she that. loves tennis and she, we went to the US Open. <laughs> now that trip, I'm going to remember that for the rest of my life. And I know she is too. We had such a wonderful time, but it's kind of just sharing what we do with the kids. And, yeah. and I remember and one time, Daniel and I, we went out to dinner, just us two. 
And this young couple, not married, only in their early 20s, came up to us. And the guy said that listening to our advice changed his relationship with his girlfriend. I don't know what advice he heard, but he had to come over and say that to us. So it's comments like that, messages like that, that just make it worthwhile. It was probably a combination of all of your TikTok videos <laughs> that changed his relationship. I mean, yes, like your content is so valuable. And I think it's, you know, extremely important for us to have role models in, you know, what should a healthy marriage look like? What should, you know, raising a family look like? And everyone has their own way of raising their kids, right? But I think it's important for us to see, you know, what other people are doing, how healthy families are raising their children. And you guys are setting such a standard. And it's amazing that you guys are putting this content out there because not a lot of people had that type of resource before. You know, no one knew like where to turn to. I think before TikTok, it was you know, where, where do people even go? Like therapy also, but you know, it's, it's, it's more relatable when you're able to like see other people doing it in like a, a very like real life situation. Like, oh, how is this family doing it? Or how, how is their marriage like and able to relate or connect in some way is just an amazing feeling. So just wanted to thank you for like all that you do. Cause it's a lot of hard work with such a large follower base. And I'm sure you guys get a lot of criticism too, right? Because they might not agree with how you guys are having your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And I do remember like some comments here and there saying, and you guys have that signature kiss at the end, which I think is super <laughs> cute. And I want to know like how you guys come up, came up with that too. But like, I did see comments saying like, oh, why do you guys kiss all the time? You know, like criticism like that, where it's just like super minor, but like people still bring it up. But I want to hear like, what kind of criticism did you guys see or like experience? And how did you guys kind of move forward or move past that? Criticism, honestly, I mean, it took a very long time for me to be where I am now, but it doesn't really bother me. More so because I think I've become more secure with who I am. They don't know me personally. So I think everyone can be whoever they want to be behind the screen. And they also could have just had a bad day and the video that they saw rubbed them the wrong way and they just decided to make a mean comment. So I don't take those personally. I think you do have to have thick skin when you put yourself out there. And I, like I said, I'm very secure in myself and I'm very secure in our relationship that, I mean, we've had comments where like, oh, I'm just following to wait for the announcement of you guys getting divorced. It's like, wow, <laughs> like there's people out there, you know, but I kind of just laugh, you know, I don't take it personally and I'm just continuing to do, live my life, live our life. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's it's such a different age than when we grew up, because I remember at church writing weekly encouragement notes to our friends and giving them the, the, the letter. But, you know, with social media, it's a completely different world now. So it's for 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 the younger generation, for teenagers and our kids, you know, it's you do. It's tough. It's not easy. But I, but but one of the things about us having a social media channel is it lets, I guess it lets them see how people react to us and it's not always positive and yeah. how we handle that. Yeah. But the negative comments, it, we don't put too much weight on it and we really don't even talk about it. Yeah. And a lot of the times I don't read the comments as much. Christina does more so now, but you're, you're going to get hate. You know, you're, you're going to get it. And especially being an Asian family, and talking about some of the topics that I, one, one video that blew up was when we talked about our finances, how I bring in the money and she takes care of it at that point. And then all of a sudden, one of my staff members, they said, oh my God, Daniel, it's trending on Twitter. So it got reposted on Twitter. It got, Millions. it got posted on that, the IG today years old, they, they posted it and all these other things. And we thought that's, well, that's, that's, that's yeah, not that's, interesting. That's, normal. Just, that's just how we kind of <laughs> do it. Right. But we got a lot of hate for that, too. You know, people were saying, I'm just, I'm I'm ignorant. I'm not I don't I'm setting myself up for failure. She's taking my money. But that's also the thing. It's not my money. You know, and I'm going off tangent here, but I have to say this because I just want people to understand, you know, it's our money. Christina stays home and raises the kids. 
right? It's a partnership. So just because your spouse brings in the money, it doesn't, the, the spouse, the other spouse shouldn't feel bad about spending it. They shouldn't feel bad about buying something nice for themselves if they want to, right? They, so they, they shouldn't, it, and also I don't think the spouse, the, other, the spouse that brings in the money should make them feel that way. But it truly is a partnership. Sorry, I went off tangent there for a little bit. Oh, another one. I think another one that went big was someone commented that I'm a gold digger. Mm. And then so he addressed that. So I think of videos soon after was the hardships that we went through. So there's a lot of followers that's been following us since like a week in, since we had like hundreds of followers. And they'll comment. There's We have fans that'll comment on all of our videos and comment on other people's comments saying, oh, you don't know who they are. They've been, you know, we've been following them forever. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like they, I feel like they're really, they really know us and they're, and yeah, they're defending us. So that was really neat. I was reading through the comments. They're like, this one person was just commenting on every comment saying, you know, don't go after my my parents, and it's really cute. <laughs> yeah, yeah we're, we're most importantly, you know, we're we're having a lot of fun with it, and we truly do feel that some people are benefiting, you know, and and it, all it takes really is that one person to say that one thing at that one moment in somebody's life to completely change their future and their kids' futures. So if we could be that one person. I mean, we're we're all for it. Yeah, and you're definitely that that one person to me, Maggie, as well. Right? Aww. That's how we found your content to begin with. <laughs> it's something that we that we you know we look up to your relationship a lot, and I'm glad you guys. And I saw the Gold Digger addressing video, by the way, before we met. <laughs> oh, thank I you. was following along for <laughs> quite a bit of time too. So when you actually reached out to me, I felt like. We have already built that layer of trust for us to to take our relationship further, right? So I really appreciate those the content that you guys make, and it's not easy to put out content every day day and stay consistent because at the end of the day, you know, social media too much of it is really bad for your mental health, right? Getting addicted to numbers, all these things are absolutely true, right? Feeling that you're stagnant, feeling like your content doesn't resonate with you anymore, and all those these little ups and downs of the social media world. Agreed. So, it's kind of curious too, like how has being on social media changed your life? Who have you met through your newfound fame on TikTok that that you still build relation with today, that you invest into, that you spend time with, that you believe in? This is an absolute no-brainer question for me. The two people that we have, I mean, such a blessing that we've met through social media are you guys. That we I mean, actually, yeah. It's, and I, you know, we have a more intimate look into what you guys do daily. And we probably still don't know, to be honest with you. And we don't of what's going on and on and all the things that you guys go through and plan and think about and spend time on that don't even end up happening. But all the events, I mean, how many Australia conferences have we had already? You know, are we four or five? I and, five. You know, so you have a, <laughs> you, you have influenced a whole group of people in a different country, right? For them to just join your team and all. I mean, you know, you guys are going to be in Washington D.C. at the White House speaking. I mean, that later this month. It's huge. So we are truly inspired by by you two. And if that's it, that's a no brainer for me. If it's, if I think about all the people now we've met some really cool people, right? Really great influencers and really, you know, but you guys are doing something special. And for us to just be, have a small part in that, right? And just to kind of, you know, be your super fans, you know, is really, is really neat for, for us. It is a lot of, I feel like a lot of social media is more entertainment based, you know? So as far as, people we've met it would be you guys that's going out and actually influencing people not in just an entertaining aspect so yeah super super excited to be 
you know, affiliated with you guys. I feel as if you guys are making it really cool to be Asian. Because <laughs> when we were growing up, I it mean, was not. It is, it is not. In the 90s and 80s, to be Asian, it was kind of, you're just, you're, you're inferior in, to a certain degree. But you have given truly the Asian community, Asian hustlers, the business owners a voice, not only to share their successes, but also really more the, importantly, the share failures, their struggles yeah. failures and their and failures. Yeah. And, you know, there isn't a day where on, on, you know, somebody's just making a post about how the group has changed their lives. And to think this is just the beginning of what you guys are doing. So it's, yeah, it's, it's been fun watching you. Oh my goodness. I, we can say the same about you both. I feel like we've been super fans of you both, Daniel and Christina. And I mean, yes, through AHN, we're grateful to have met you two. And, and it, it's, I feel like we, I'm sure we would have met some way or another, you know, eventually if we didn't meet this time, but I'm just so glad that we were able to cross paths. Um, and I think that we're both doing both of us or all of us. I mean, we're all doing something incredible. And you both are using your platform to, you know, inspire other families, other people, other your followers, and able to really use what your experiences have taught you and apply them and teach that to other people. And I think that it's amazing and such a beautiful thing that you, what you both are doing. And I, we're grateful and I can, I can probably speak for Brian as well. We're grateful to have met you and thankful to even have this conversation right now. <laughs> so thank you so much. So now that we're nearing the end of the podcast, we have a couple final questions. We do want to know what are your plans for the future? Let's say like your five-year, 10-year outlook. What do you hope to accomplish between the both of you and for your family as well? Well, so in about, in about five to 10 years, you know, Nathan in 10 years will be in college. So we'll be empty nesters. We'll be about early 50s. We'll be empty nesters. So we're actually really looking forward to that part of our lives, right? Where, you know, when I travel with you guys, Christina could come with me, you know, and, and really have fun with it. It's, you know, we, we as far as, as far as our social media, you know, we, we really do want to um, you know, continue to put out content and influence more people in a more positive way. I always told Christina she needs to write a book. You know, so hopefully, you know th that that comes. But yeah, just you know, just staying on track. You know, and just growing professionally. You know, the 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 company is growing personally. I obviously I want us to stay healthy and you know stay 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 a unit as much as possible, no matter how far the kids might travel. But yeah. five to ten years from now, I. As much as I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom, not to put any pressure on my kids, but I'm also very looking forward to being a grandma. <laughs> no one is, you know, our oldest will be 17. And also tell them how, how many kids our kids want. So all four of my kids, well, actually all five of my kids for now want four kids. <laughs> so that's 20 grandkids for us. So, so just at our simple family dinner, it's, it's about 32 people. people. Including us, it'll be 32 people. And I just thinking about it just makes me so happy and like joyful. And yeah, I just, every family, I think, I think currently I'm kind of just riding this wave of happiness, I would say. But every, there's always downs. And for me, I know it'll come. But then I also know like whatever comes our way, we'll make it out fine. I think just everything we've been through, I think that's what's, that's the courage that gave me. Like I can lose everything, but we're still be, we'll still be fine. Oh, you guys, I, you guys are making her, I've never seen her cry so much. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's beautiful, Christina. And we're going to be invited to the 32 All of it. member family. All of it. With your five dinners. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today, Daniel and Christina. Where can our listeners find out more about you both online and Great Park Insurance as well? 
Yeah, our 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 TikTok is Sung Life, AG or IG is Sung Life, Facebook is Sung Life. Very easy. Yeah, yeah, that's probably the easiest way, and uh, and it's GreatParkInsurance.com, and we're here now. I do want to just brag a little bit about our team. We are the highest rated insurance agency in the country on Yelp. So I promise you, you know, they do a wonderful job. But we're we're located here in Irvine, California. Awesome. We'll leave all of those in the show notes. Go ahead, Brian. No, I just want to say thank you so much, Daniel, Christina, for hopping on the podcast. Finally, <laughs> <laughs> really, really appreciate you too. And honestly, we're really grateful to have you guys in our corner. Awesome. Thank, thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you both. All right. Bye. Hey, guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to the show. We would like to get to the top 10 on iTunes, so be sure to leave us a five-star review. We release an episode every single Wednesday, so stay tuned. Thank you guys so much.